You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly Waste Not series in which we discuss food-related waste and other ways that households and communities can act locally to contribute to global change. We'll be discussing food rescue across Canada to reduce hunger with Lori Nichols, CEO at Second Harvest Canada. Welcome, Lori. Hi. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Lori, what is Second Harvest and how long has it been around? So Second Harvest is Canada's largest food rescue organization. And what that means is we are rescuing surplus food from right across the supply chain, from farm all the way to retail and food service, and making sure we're diverting it to people rather than landfill. And we primarily work with perishable foods, so protein, dairy, and produce. And that's very strategic because those are the foods that are hardest to access when you're low income. So we have that programmatic piece of our business, but we also do research. Um, because we didn't actually know how much food was getting wasted in Canada. So we said, oh, well, we should figure that out. So we worked with value chain management to understand that in Canada, we waste 58% of the food that's produced for us. And also research to understand the charitable network, because often people think food, they think food bank. But um, my background is low income, and I didn't access food from a food bank. So I wanted to let everybody understand that actually there's 61,000 charities in Canada that are supporting people with food. And, and finally, just trying to figure out how do we make this connection from food to people uh, as efficiently as possible and as far away as possible. So we do that through technology and boats and planes and fleets and warehouses. And we also do training and education. So uh, we, it's really important that you have food safety certification if you run a charity, but that can be quite expensive. So we do it at low or no cost. And we do a lot of training on food waste and how to eliminate and reduce your own personal food waste and your business's food waste. Wow, that's incredible, Lori. Just the scale, the scale and that it's it's farm all the way through to consumer points. So there's so many points at which food could be rescued, but also that you're national. This is Second Harvest Canada. So incredible that the research and the teaching is being done at the same time. Really, really cool. And you had mentioned some food waste statistics. 58% was the, the numbers that you have. And uh, it really is an eye opener. Um, you know, everyone these days is talking about the cost of food coincident with the cost of food is the rate and pace at which people need to access food um, to help themselves out and the perishables, as you said. So, so glad Second Harvest is here and that you're doing all of that incredible work. And I was really impressed when I went to Second Harvest website and getting ready for the show today. And I noticed that your vision is no waste, no hunger. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how this is actually achieved. You gave us an intro uh, in my last question, but a little bit more on how do you achieve no waste, no hunger? Well, truly, like we look at this through the environmental lens, and that is the no waste part, because we cannot have food in landfill. We know a whole lot of it ends up in there and creates methane gas as a direct contributor to the climate crisis. The no hunger part is, well, why wouldn't we give this food to people? Now, it's no hunger in that moment. It is not food security. And I want to make that very clear, because to be food secure, you need to have money in your pocket that you can go buy your own groceries for. But what we can do is really look at that food waste part and how do we reduce or eliminate, for the most part, food waste from happening, no hunger in that moment. 
I think that's a really important distinction. Still an incredible mission and mandate because we do have that, but working towards sustainable systems in collaboration with other people. So um, whether that's minimum wage or anti-poverty or whatever, um, all of those global, national and local um, initiatives for reducing poverty and, and having access to food, really, really important. And and also the connection, you know, between the, the, the social sustainability of hunger, but also the environmental sustainability of the no waste. So it really is both environmental and social sustainability that Second Harvest is really contributing to in a very big way. And Second Harvest has developed and continues to grow an efficient food recovery network, a really broad scale. And this network has social and environmental mandate, which I just mentioned. And can you expand a little bit more on both of those? Sure. So, I mean, we say efficient because we're working with food that is really close to a best before date. Regardless, we'll have a conversation about best before dates and the nonsense that that is and the misinformation about them. But but also like produce uh, that is near its end of life. And so we have to move really, really quickly, which is interesting in Canada because we're such a huge country. So um, we're unique that way, right? Like, And that's probably one of the reasons we are the leaders in food waste in the world. Um, but just even moving food as efficiently as possible. So what does that look like? It uh, could be we have a fleet and warehouse in Toronto, um, but across the country, we use third-party logistics on really large food. But then we thought, oh, no, efficient is innovation, too. So, you know, Starbucks is one of our major partners. So we're like, okay, let's build a technology that is just connects the food directly, the food business directly with a local charity in their area. So they can just go walk and pick it up. They've been trained, food safety trained. Um, so that they can do that. And that's the, the building the efficiency inside of this. So it's not about second harvest. It's really about how do we support this broad network of 61,000 nonprofits and charities using food in the best way possible. Yeah. A lot of what we do is really just networking and, uh, and building in systems and, you know, just in time delivery. <laughs> I think that's brilliant, you know, matching kind of uh, surplus to demand. So despite the um, need being matched to where the food is, we still get food waste when we don't have freezer space and people to pick it up and all that kind of thing. So all this management science that uh, Second Harvest is uh, contributing to and all of those agencies, you said about 61,000 in Canada, did I get that statistic right? Yeah, there are 61,000 yeah. charities and nonprofits using food. At Second Harvest, we support about 7,700 food programs across the country, but we're just, we're continuing to grow. So we are unique. We're an opt-in. There's no membership. There's no payment. It's There's enough food for everybody. Please take it. You know, I, I like uh, that you said that because we can focus a lot of times on the production side. We, we need to make more food. We need to sell more food. We need to get more food. And to a certain extent, yes, there are areas in, in our nation and locally and, and across uh, even the world where there isn't as much food in an area for whatever reason, and, and we do need to get it there. But the reality is, is that if we didn't waste what we do produce... And we could get it redistributed to the people that need it. That I think that one, that food waste will reduce costs out of the whole system because we need to keep mm -hmm. producing after the food that we've wasted. But also we will start to see some real social change uh, in that hungry people. Um, I know because you had said that that you had had periods where you were hungry. Same with me. Um, in my PhD, it was there were a couple of really long stretches between pay to pay, and I needed to I needed some help. So uh, I say that because I think we shouldn't be ashamed to say, you know, I, I wasn't able to ac access food and I needed help. And so, how do we find 
um, where the food is and, um, and get that help. So if we can take the waste out of the system, not just from an environmental perspective, but a social perspective, and back to the systems you were talking about, like matching where is the food to the people and distribution, but also the management knowledge and know-how of getting it there. And, and beyond management, the leadership, right? Which is sort of the human side of enterprise and, and initiatives. So that takes me to my next question, Lori, which is values, which clearly governs everything that Second Harvest does. And integrity and community are two of your core values posted on your website. And I'd like you to expand, please, on why integrity is important in food recovery and distribution, and also how you use community to work together to rise um, in philosophic terms to this duty to others. Well, I mean, integrity should be a core value for everybody, in my opinion, and it could be as simple as you say you do what you say you're going to do. And especially when you're working with um, vulnerable communities, you can't make promises and then not keep them, right? Like this is right. this is a matter of somebody eating or not. So yeah. integrity is critical to all of our, right? Like it's important for our self-worth um, and people need to trust you. It builds trust. And, and that leads to community, right? Like nothing happens in a vacuum. You can't do anything alone. So we run like so many programs, but it's it's not Second Harvest. It's Second Harvest and, you know, 7,700 other food programs working together. But also the donor community, like people are are uh, donating to Second Harvest because they really believe in our mission of no waste, no hunger. And so that's really important. Integrity really matters when you're spending somebody else's money. Like that's really critical. We want to make sure that we are spending it in the right ways. So integrity is just like it's threads throughout everything we do, as does community, right? Like we are, none of us can do this alone. And the only way we're going to get anywhere in this world is if we do it together. Yeah, I love that philosophy. And, you know, uh, a big takeaway of what you just said is doing what you said you were going to do. And that's simple, easy to understand, sometimes maybe hard to do. Lots of things come up, challenges, you know, timing, logistics, staffing, whatever it is. It can be hard to do, but if it if it's it's an easy mantra to remember and carry forward every day, and also this notion of community that it's it, we don't have to be in competition with you know whose logo is recognized you know most frequently in whatever area that all hands on deck. That's what's needed. And I'm just wondering, you've got a lot of organizations who call you and they know that you'll be there and, and take pick up the food and redistribute it. For any um, people working in organizations right now who might not be part of Second Harvest or a food rescue uh, organization in their area, how do, how do organizations find out how to get connected in on having food picked up and rescued if it's in the short term, you know, it just periodically comes up or kind of frequently uh, it comes up where there's some excess food? Yeah, so if both ways, if you're a charity or if you're a food business, you just download the Food Rescue app or, or use the web-based one on your computer and you register. And if you're a business, you, you let us know what food you have. You tell us what kind of temperature-controlled food it is. And, and we tell you what that means in terms of meals, in terms of greenhouse gases. And if you're a charity, same thing. So what happens is this food just kind of pops up and they say, I'll take it. And then they go out and pick it up. Wonderful. Unless it's large food, then then even if they accept it, then often Second Harvest is in the background trying to figure out the logistics behind it. Right. Great. And on the app you had said, which I think is really cool because lots of organizations are trying to um, contribute on their corporate social responsibility, but also consumers are starting to look for 
um, what organization I'm going to, they're going to align to based on not only their values, but their corporate social responsibility plan. And so being able to understand it wasn't just food picked up, but what it meant in terms of meals and greenhouse gas immersion, uh, aversion really helps them with their corporate stats to their shareholders and customers. Mm -hmm. And even their employees, people want to work places where um, there's meaning and their values are aligned to what the corporate culture is. So I think that's really a great advancement that Second Harvest offers. So we can act uh, in our own homes, uh, not wasting food and uh, also participating in community and organizational food rescue connected into Second Harvest and other food rescue agencies in our areas, but also making sure that our voices are heard with the with the MPs and MPPs that we want some um, accountability against the commitment, particularly, as you had said earlier, the, the no waste, the 12.3 of the sustainable development goals. After the break, we'll hear more from Laurie Nichols, CEO at Second Harvest, around the impact of rescuing food across Canada to reduce hunger. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Laurie Nichols, CEO at Second Harvest Canada, about food rescue and reducing hunger. Um, Laurie, I think at the highest level, we all want the human family to thrive. And sometimes we're not really sure how to make this happen. But at Second Harvest, you really are doing that. You're creating a great big impact. And can you share some of the statistics of the impact your program's having? Oh, absolutely. So last year alone, we rescued over 53 million pounds of food and diverted it to communities. And that touched 4.3 million Canadians. 4.3, which is, wow. I guess, a great number, but it's also an incredibly sad number, like that 4.3 million Canadians. And we're not even touching them all, right? Like we're not getting food to everybody. So there's that. And we um, that meant we averted a whole lot of greenhouse gas from the environment, as well as the water. So a lot of people, you know, when you're when food goes into landfill, it's not just about what happens at the end of pipe uh, in the landfill. It's also about what, got, what gets lost across the whole supply chain, right? Like you're losing the labor, you're losing the water, you're losing um, the love that got into it. Like nobody produces food because they want to throw it away, right. but that's what ends up happening. So if we can divert it, then we can also save the water. We can save the labor. We can save all of that because it's being used for its intended purpose. Right. Good. Well said. And Laura, you had just mentioned the staggering millions of pounds that have been rescued across Canada by Second Harvest and their, their partners and network. And I'm wondering, taking it to an individual level, like giving us an idea of what does that mean in terms of meals per day, like give or take? Uh, it's an average of 150,000 meals every day. Every single day. Wow. Every single day. Wow. That really, that really, you know, we can, we can really humanize that stat of those millions of pounds is that's 150,000 meals per day. It's staggering important. And it's really in alignment with the second harvest feeding our future program, which is an initiative from June to September. And how can camps and communities find out more and access all the wonderful things through the feeding our future program? So Feeding Our Future is, um, this one is specific to a summer camp program that is in Toronto only. And it uh, provides lunches and some fun stuff for children to do at camps. And we know that, you know, kids in low-income neighborhoods, to go to camp, is, it costs money. So we try to get as many free camps as possible. But what brings them there outside of the uh, social and maybe the sports or whatever the education is, it's food, right? Like, 
imagine being a mother and you're like, just don't have enough food. What a, what a weight off your shoulders when they, you know, they can access food. Cause throughout the course of the year, most of the schools have child nutrition programs, universal child nutrition programs, but what happens in the summer? So we wanted to just kind of close that gap in the summer. That's amazing. Really, really amazing. And more can be found out through your website. It is Absolutely. for now, but more uh, to camps and other school, uh, school age community programs to connect in at Second Harvest yeah. Future Program. And, and Feeding Our Future is, that's a very specific like summer camp one, but we, 40% of all of our food ends up in the mouths of children and youth. Okay. That's fantastic because I had Food Bank Canada on, they did our December 31st or New Year's Eve show and last year's stats um, that they collected that with the increase of consumption or increased access to food banks, a significant portion of that was children. So you're helping yep. with that need and demand. So that's wonderful. Laurie, in this show, we try to bring the humanities. So philosophy, history, creativity to today's food dialogue. How do these things relate to what you're doing at Second Harvest? I think we go back to collaboration, right? Like we are all in this together. I think a great example of that would be when COVID started three years ago, um, we got a group together right away and, and we're like, we just want to work together. So it meant getting industries, so Walmart, blah, blah, Sobeys, um, the federal government, major charities, Salvation Army, Food Banks Canada, Second Harvest, community food centers, indigenous communities. And we work together on, okay, we know that this is going to be a huge issue. There's going to be a huge amount of surplus because restaurants are closing and they're going to be in big packs. How do we get that and convert it? And we also know that, you know, this, the beginning of COVID, I think everybody felt a bit food insecure because people were just hoarding and you'd walk into a grocery store and go, oh my gosh, there's nothing there. So we were like, okay, now how do we make sure that that food then gets to people? And that was a, a, a really big collaboration which was critical for us to manage that. And it resulted in some really great partnerships forever and also some really good federally funded programs that sadly were only during COVID and really should have continued. But one of them was the Surplus Food Rescue Program because growers, again, to my what I said earlier, they don't grow to throw food away. So they have to have some kind of sense on the dollar. So how do we pay them when there's no market for it? And then we can make a market because there's a huge charitable network that could that would love to access that food. So, I mean, it touches everybody's lives. It really does. And some of the most, I mean, I've loved our conversation today, but some of the most important takeaways were um, do what you say you're going to do and let's save the world together. And this last point that you just made is uh, collaborations and really understanding the dashboard of what, like the, the, like, you know, when you're driving, you're watching, you know, the gas and you're watching how fast you're going. And if depending if you've got that monitor, how many RPMs the wheels are going, we've got to watch that dashboard when we're talking mm -hmm. about food waste, food rescue. And uh, as you had just said a moment ago that, you know, finding um, economies where we see inefficiencies now. And whether that's growers who, you know, want their food eaten, which is what their basic yep. purpose is, and finding a way to match that need to, uh, or match that dream to, or that match that purpose to people who need the food. So absolutely wonderful, Lori. I've loved, I've just enjoyed every moment of our conversation. I'm sorry we're out of time. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, you know, we're all in this together, but there are also individual things you can do to manage your own food waste. And so go to the Second Harvest website, uh, Best Before Dates. Mm -mm. <laughs> very arbitrary, very misunderstood. Uh, and that will show you how long your food can last or how to store your food properly. And just honestly, buy less food, people, because it's not a deal if half of it goes in the garbage if it's two for one. Right.
Right. Really good advice. And thanks for leaving us what, what each of us can do, because sometimes it can be overwhelming. And um, well, what can I do and how can I help? And you've just given us some really great tips of how we can do that. Thank you so much, Lori, and really to the entire Second Harvest community for believing in a better world and more importantly, for taking steps to build it. Thank you, Peggy. This was so much fun. Really, really happy to have had you here today, Lori. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Lori Nichols, CEO at Second Harvest Canada, about rescuing food to reduce hunger. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what could you do to help your community rescue food that might be wasted? Something to do, search secondharvest.ca to find out more about the national progress, programs near you, and other ways you can help. Next week on the show, it's City Farming. We'll speak with Tom Call, volunteer coordinator at Antler River Rally, about the ways one community keeps its riverbanks clean in order to keep garbage and other waste out of the water system. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.